Hey guys, this is our podcast at the Clemson Foothills Church. We're glad you found us. Join us as we discover what the Bible says about following Jesus, loving God, and serving one another. Feel free to visit our website at clemsonfoothills.com or check out the Clemson Foothills Church YouTube channel. We love learning what God says to us in His Word, and we hope this podcast helps you to do that as well. With all that said, let's dive into the episode for this week. So I'm going to try to read this without my glasses fogging up here. I'm going to read this. This is a quote from a C.S. Lewis book called Mere Christianity. Okay, so, so listen to what he says here. The title of this chapter is The Great Sin. C.S. Lewis writes, I now come to the part of Christian morals where they differ most sharply from all other morals. There is one vice of which no man in the world is free, which everyone in the world loathes when he sees it in someone else, of which hardly any people except Christians ever imagine that they are guilty themselves. I have heard people admit that they are bad-tempered, or that they can't keep their heads about girls or drink, or even that they're cowards. I do not think I ever heard anyone who wasn't a Christian accuse himself of this vice. And at the same time, I have very seldom met anyone who is not a Christian who who showed the slightest mercy to it in others. There is no fault which makes a man more unpopular, and no fault which we are more unconscious of in ourselves, And the more we have it in ourselves, the more we dislike it in others. The vice I'm talking of is pride or self-conceit. And the virtue opposite to to it in Christian morals is called humility. You may remember when I was talking about sexual morality, I warned you that the center of Christian morals don't lie there. Well, now we have come to the center. According to Christian teachers, the essential vice, the utmost evil is pride. Unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all that are mere flea bites in comparison. It was through pride that the devil became the devil. Pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. All right? So, you know, you can tell just from some of C.S. Lewis's writings, a little dated, right? But he's not in understanding pride. All right? Isn't it interesting? It, Now, here's where I just, let's be aware of this, is when it comes to pride, the first thing we're going to be thinking as it comes up is our defense mechanisms are all going to be going crazy, right? Because you'll hear something like what C.S. Lewis said, and he said, you know, the more prideful we are, the more we hate it in other people, okay? Now, now there's some of us sitting here, and you're going, oh, yeah, no, no, I don't hate it in other people. (laughs) Like, it's going to give you a pass. Okay, we're, we're alike under this here. Okay, it, it's interesting because I think we need to, and, and fascinating too, isn't it interesting that C.S. Lewis said this is the complete anti God attitude? Right, but, but oftentimes this can be a word that's used, whether it's pride or the opposite, right? The, 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 the moral humility. We can just kind of throw it out there almost like it's a, an afterthought. Right? If it truly is, pride is opposed by God. God's James 4, there's a number of places. James writes, you know, and he's quoting Proverbs 3 in a number of different places, is, is God opposes the proud. And, 
Isn't it funny that in our world today, as disciples even, we can almost just kind of laugh off pride. Like, oh man, nah, yeah, I'm just a prideful dog. Uh, and they're going, hold on a minute, like for real. If he opposes the proud, I, there's, if there's anyone I don't want opposing me, is God. Okay, and so this would seem to me that we should really spend some time in this well beyond just these next 20 or 25 minutes, okay, well beyond that. Right, but it's interesting. Let's let's kind of flesh out our times today. Is we are ripe right now for pride and arrogance. H- have you noticed that as tension has risen from any number of situations, whether it's you have uh, racial injustice, you have COVID, you have, have you noticed that everyone has the right answer, and they all have statistics to back up the right answer. How is that possible? I'm not kidding you. Like, it doesn't matter. And, and what ends up happening is, is that the pride wells up inside of us and we become experts on masks and we become experts on not wearing masks and we become experts on racial and this is how you need to fix this and this is how you need to fix that. And you notice the tension rises and there's more anger. That's exactly what pride is meant to do, right? Is going back to James, some of you may have read the book of James. He said, why are there quarrels among you? You fight because you don't get what you want. Right? right? I mean, you see the connection there uh, of pride, humility, selfishness, anger. And so here's the call, right? Is disciples should be distinctly different from the world in this regard. All right? There, there shouldn't be an inclusion into the world's pride and arrogance of us like, you know, making our voices heard of me being right, it should more sound like God is right, and let me show you how. That's true, okay? We are going to read, turn over in your Bibles to Luke chapter 14, okay? So we have this, uh, this section here. Remember, we've been, we've been talking about being trained by Jesus, right? How's that gone for you? I want you to think about that. How has your training been? I think it would be vastly different. What if, what if Jesus were to say, I'm going to physically come and walk with you for the next three weeks or four weeks. And wherever you went, there was Jesus. Would the training be different? Would you approach it or would I approach it differently if I thought, no, he's right here. It probably would be different, right? It probably, probably would because in our minds we think kind of out of sight, out of mind. Except that's not true, right? That's not true. As Jesus is here. He has given us his Holy Spirit, okay? And so we have to ask ourselves, how is that training gone? How, how has it been going, all right? And one of the most important things that we do is we have to come to Jesus in need, but humbly as students as well, all right? We have to go and Jesus... Jesus, I don't know how to do life, all right? And, and that's not just being incompetent. That's the idea of I tried for a long time. I tried for decades to do life right. And you want to know what? It kept getting worse over time, okay? And you may have had the same experience, right? Is, man, I've tried. I've tried to do life. And now, Jesus, I need you to train me, right? I need you to help me out here just a little bit. So hopefully we're coming with that heart. Let me turn over here to Luke 14. And, um, and the other side of this I'd like you to do is, uh, again, use your imagination here. 
All right. Uh, it's so easy to depersonalize the scriptures. It's so easy to think, oh, he's talking about this thing that happened at a Pharisee's home 2,000 years ago, and I can't relate, and I'm sitting here in a park, and it's all beautiful, and we, then all of a sudden we start seeing everything. There's somebody walking, and there's birds chirping and all this. What I'm going to ask you to do is like enter into this text, okay? Meaning like put your mind into this place, all right? Picture what would it be like with Jesus, what would, it be, what would it be like sitting here around Jesus, around these other men in this story? What would it be like? Visualize that, okay? Because it's going to become very important for us to be able to personalize this. So in Luke chapter 14, Jesus was invited over to a meal, a dinner, at a Pharisee's home. And it wasn't any Pharisee. He was the leading Pharisee, okay? And so anyway, Jesus came over and the Pharisee had invited some other very important religious men. He invited other Pharisees and, 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 and you know, experts in the law. Like these, were, these guys were there. How many? I don't know. I'd be thinking like six or seven or eight or nine. I mean, when you're viewing and picturing this, don't picture like a cathedral full of a thousand people. All right. Picture like a table, a low table with maybe seven, eight, nine people around there. All right. And you can picture you're going to this. And as, as they entered the room, all right, this is really fascinating. As they entered the room, verse 7, Jesus told a parable to those who were invited. When he, when he noticed how they would choose the best places for themselves. All right, so, so picture this. You, you go into a room. I don't know how big the room is, but he's, he's just watching. Could you imagine that? Jesus is just sitting there, just kind of watching. How are you choosing seats? How are you choosing your seats? He just noticed that they were choosing, they were all jostling for what was the best place for them. All right? And, and then Jesus goes, okay, I have a parable to teach. Isn't that fantastic that he's at this house? He's like, okay, it's time. It's time to teach about humility here. Okay? Because he noticed this. And here's what I love about this. Jesus does notice. That's very important. Jesus does notice. It's just, we're not just flying under the radar. But Jesus notices. He notices how they chose the best places for themselves. And he says in verse 8, When you're invited by someone to a wedding banquet, don't recline at the best place. Because a more distinguished person than you may have been invited by your host. The one who invited you, you both, uh, I'm sorry, the one who invited both of you may come and say to you, give your place to this man. And then in humiliation, you will proceed to take the lowest place. But when you're invited, go and recline at the lowest place. So that when, when the one who invited you comes, he'll say, friend, move up higher. You'll then be honored in the presence of all other guests. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So again, being aware of the defense mechanisms that are going up in all of our minds right now, this is, this is one option of reading this story, okay, is I really want to be exalted, so let me go take the lowest spot. And in fact, I might even mention to people sitting around me how I chose the lowest spot, okay? And, and, and we've done that before, right? It's like, hey, I'm just taking the lowest spot, man, most humble here, just trying to be humble, right? <laughs> I'm going to take the lowest spot. And then, 
It's really easy. What do you mean they're not recognizing me? Hold on a minute. Isn't that how you get exalted? I sat in the lowest place. Why aren't they exalting me? And you see what happens is his pride is just this weird, like, alien that's just all over the place, okay? It's just working all in here. And Jesus' point isn't, hey, whenever you go somewhere, make sure you find... His point isn't this legalistic, this law of you go and find that. He's really bringing up this issue of what's going on inside of us and how we view people, okay? How we view people, okay? And so they walked in, and and we probably can understand this. Have you ever walked in a room and your first immediate inclination is, I need to go find my place. Maybe you walked in here this morning that way. I don't want to sit over here. I don't want to sit. I'm going to find. And here's the, here's the problem. How many people did you walk by? Or you saw your friend. I got to go talk to my friend. How many people did you walk by? Okay, because Jesus is saying they're choosing seats and they're not even recognizing one another. It's just these guys who are important that want to get kind of what's best for them here. All right. And and, and so this is, again, if Jesus could sit down with me and you and have a conversation, and let's see, he just starts poking around inside of our hearts. And he's like, like, how did you choose today? How, How did you choose Who's sitting around you? Who, who did you walk through and you didn't even stop and talk to? Right? Because here's the thing is pride blinds us of everyone around us because we have to elevate ourselves. Okay? So you have this idea of, of, um, of, of finding out. You know what's, what's so important for me and you is that we, we don't necessarily always have to be the best. But don't you realize, I mean, isn't it sometimes, I don't have to be the best, but I need to be better than someone. Okay, do you relate to that? Like, I got to be better. I, like, I'm okay if there's a few people better than me at something, but, but I'm kind of wanting to know who are the 10 people worse than me. All right, and so pride is like fueling all of that. Pride is making something of me. Pride is requiring this. Pride is requiring a lot of effort to get people to see a version of me that is either better than them or recognize my greatness or something like that. It's very tiring. All right. So here's the interesting thing. As we're talking about humility, I want you to think about this. How does this fit into the gospel? Think, think through this. How does this fit in? Because Jesus isn't just going rogue here. This is the same Jesus that we read in Chapter 4, you can go back and read it in chapter 4, and he said, I came to set the oppressed free. I came to give sight to the blind. I, kept, I, I came to let the captives go. All right, this is Jesus, and he's teaching this lesson, and that hasn't gone away. So he's trying to teach us, listen, this can free you up. This can free me up. This can free us up as we follow him for us not to have to make much of ourselves. Okay. So he's telling them this story. He's like, he's, you know, they're all sitting in here. Um, anybody in here, do, do you get offended very easily? Ever? Do you ever get offended? Ever? Let's go that way because you're reluctant to say easily. All right. Ever? Have you ever been offended? <laughs> okay. Yeah, right. I mean, and then think about how often we get offended. Okay. I got offended one time. Jody got me a book, Unoffendable. 
He just sent it to me. He wasn't even living here. He sent me this book in the mail, and I got it. And I'm like, who's he think he is sending me this book? I don't get offended. You see what I'm talking about? Right? That's just that's pride talking. Okay? Is this idea of, so getting this idea of how offended do we get? Right? We've, we've got to get an idea of, hey, what's going on inside of me? Because chances are, we're more like the Pharisees going around trying to jostle for position to get noticed and to be heard and, to, and, and all of these things. That's us. And so it's really important to go, okay, well, how can I understand and, and figure this out inside of me? Well, how often do we get offended? Am I offended when somebody doesn't notice something or, or, or let me do something or, or whatever it is, right? So that's one of the ways. Here's the interesting thing about it is, is pride fuels selfishness, right? So, if, so here's the thing. You may go, Keith, I'm having a hard time figuring out how really prideful I am. But if we can get a grasp on how self-centered am I, then I can get an idea here because pride and self-centeredness are like two sides of the same coin. And so here's the interesting thing is pride is saying, man, you know what? You, you, you are awesome. You're better than other people. You need to be recognized for that. And if people don't recognize it, you want to know what? There's something wrong with them. But here's the interesting thing. As that cycle continues, you know what follows? Depression. It's, it follows naturally. It's the idea of pride, selfishness leads to depression, which is this idea of I'm telling myself this story that I'm really greater and people haven't figured it out yet. And, and they need to see that. And I need to live in a way that draws attention to me in, in whatever way. Maybe it's the way I speak. Maybe it's the way that I dress. Maybe it's the way that I act. I've got to draw attention to myself. And then you see it's not working. And there's this cycle of depression back over to pride, to selfishness, and then over. And we can get stuck in this cycle. Okay, let's keep reading, though, okay, because Jesus goes on. Right down here in verse 12. Then he turned to the one who had invited him. He said, when you give a lunch or a dinner, don't invite your friends, your brothers, your relatives, or your rich neighbors, because they might invite you back and you would be repaid. So, so let's stop here for one second. Again, if you're, if you're taking notes and you're going, okay, you turn over to your spouse and you say, honey, we can never invite these people over. Okay, never let my brother, relatives, or rich neighbors in this house. Because Jesus said, don't. No, no, don't read that. Okay, he says, you're going to be repaid. And so, so here's the deal is, is there's oftentimes relationships we have that are mutually beneficial. You're like, oh, no, no, I'm serving this family. Well, you're serving this family because they're serving you back. And I mean, there's this mutual and, and we live that way, uh, where, where we find relationships that are mutually beneficial, okay? He's saying, don't think that that's humility, all right? That's strategic, but it's not humility, all right? He goes on and he says this, on the contrary, when you host a banquet, invite those who are poor, maimed, lame, or blind, and you'll be blessed because they can't repay you. For you'll be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. All right. This is just, so, I mean, so challenging. Because if we were to sit here and listen to Jesus, what if Jesus just kind of scooted up next to us and he said, you have any of those folks over lately? Now, now hold on. Let, let, we got to put the, we got to figure out pride is going crazy right now. Okay. Because here's what pride is going to want us to do. Pity people. 
That's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about us being arrogant. Oh, those poor, the, the, the poor maimed people. They, they need me. No, no, no. That's not what he's talking about. That's not what he's talking about at all, okay? But this idea of going, um, it, here, here's, here's the little secret that's lying underneath this, okay? It is, and Jesus will actually teach this lesson later, but, but here's the lesson. As we're sitting here going, oh, the poor and the lame and the blind, and, you know, and, 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 and believe me, all of us probably have a fair amount of embarrassing thoughts going through our minds right now. Shameful thoughts going through our minds right now. Okay, that's pride. That, that's pride. I, I can't be inconvenienced. Like, no, 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 what are you talking about? I mean, this is, like, that doesn't sound fun at all to have this kind of banquet. Right? But, but here's the story. Jesus goes, hey, let me tell you a secret. You're those people. <laughs> See, you're, you're those. He goes, Keith, it's you, man. You know, and that's the thing. Jesus goes, have you figured out my story yet? See, see, you're thinking, well, if I brought a poor person into my home, that would be dangerous. If I brought a lame or a maimed person, I mean, that would be a lot of work and inconvenience and really uncomfortable. And if, well, what if a blind person, and that, that's so uncomfortable. And Jesus is going, tell me about it. <laughs> Jesus is going, you mean I let you in my kingdom? You're worse than that. <laughs> okay? I mean, this is the point. That's the home run right there, is, is Jesus teaches this story of us going, and, and, and the truth of the matter is, is, these are, these are situations where, thank God, we don't have a monitor hooked up right to our brains for everyone to see, right? Because this is just shameful, all right? And he's going, well, how, how did that go? Well, Keith, how do you know that he would say this? Turn over to Revelation chapter 3, all right? And this is Jesus here, too. Okay, so we get more training from Jesus. Revelation 3. We'll read here in verse 17. He says this. Because you say I'm rich and I've become wealthy and need nothing. And you don't know that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you may be rich. White clothes, you may be dressed, and your shameful nakedness not be exposed, and ointment to spread on your eyes so you may see. As many as I love, I, as many as I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be committed and repent. All right? Uh, again, we, we got to sit down with Jesus and have these kind of talks. Here's the reason why, okay? The lame, the maimed, the blind, that's not always seen. It's not always seen. He's not just talking about like these physical needs, but he is talking about people that they get, they, they go through life and we don't notice them. We, we don't notice what's going on because in, in, to a certain degree, we, we get so busy building our own brand building our brand on social media, building our brand wherever it is. We're building a personal brand and a personal kind of like, you know, corporation for us that we forget to look around. Like if you just look around right here, oftentimes what we think is, well, I don't see anybody like in a wheelchair. I don't see anybody who's blind or something like that. And again, Jesus isn't going these four or five things. 
He's going, no, like, when, when we're humble, we begin to start looking around and going, hold on a minute. There's, there's things going on. There's things going on in lives. And it's got to be more than me. It's got to be more than me getting a great place to sit at the table. It's got, it's got, to, be more, it's got to be more than that. It, it can't be just about me and making something of myself because now you have a huge population of people that go completely unnoticed. And, and I wonder as disciples, if you're a disciple, how many people have you sat down and had a talk with who were in desperate need? And maybe it started with just a conversation, but this is why disciples have to talk, right? Because it's amazing how, how willing people are willing to talk back. We get, we, we get kind of just all in our own little cocoon, and we don't want to talk to anybody or interrupt anybody. And it's fascinating because it's quite often you may ask somebody that you're just sitting next to at a coffee shop or on campus or something, hey, how's it going? And they go, not very good, right? There's a... There's a there's, Listen, people are okay saying that. And so what would happen from that point on, right? In humility, here's the thing. In humility, it isn't about pitying people. In humility, it's going, we're just the same. (laughs) Me and you are the same, man, right? Me and you are the same. I might not be going through that right now, but we're the same, all right, this is really this idea of going, no, no, this isn't because I'm better, I'm helping you. It's the idea of completely understanding, like it's coursing through our veins as disciples, going, oh man, let me tell you, uh, Jesus has done more for me. And I've, listen, we're all in the same boat, man. What can I do to help? All right, that, that, is, that makes powerful, just an amazing impact. Humility impacts areas like large areas right because we open our mouth and we aren't so like insecure or prideful to go oh i don't want to sound dumb and i don't want to sound all this it's just hey how you doing how you doing and being able to enter into that okay so i want you to just kind of grade yourself this week as you've gone about your week like, who have you noticed? In humility, who have you noticed? You know, because here's the interesting thing. When we're all like, we're all poor, wretched, pitiful, blind, and naked, we should be able to recognize one another, right. right? And going, I've seen that look before, right? You've done that before because we talk to each other about it. We're going, oh man, hey, hey if you talk to so-and-so, he doesn't look good. Going, no, I'm supposed to do that, <laughs> Right? Hey, man, oh, brother, the sister didn't look to it. I saw that look on her face. And, and here's in humility, we go, I've seen that look before. Hey, let's, let's talk, okay? Let, let's talk. Hey, come over to the house for dinner, but I can't repay you. Man, I'm a mess right now. I'm not going to be any fun. Listen, I, I'm glad Jesus doesn't use that for me. I am so glad he's not like, don't, no, 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 no. I don't want Keith around. Keith can't get it on straight. You know, Keith is all messed up. I'm so glad that he doesn't do that, okay? And so, so here's, here's, this is what's awesome about this teaching, okay? So he's telling this parable, and, and I wonder how many of the guys were sitting here going, oh, dang, he's saying we're that. <laughs> you know, like he's going to keep quiet. 
go, oh man, uh-oh, I know where Jesus is going with this. These are, you know, and how many of them did that? But, but here's something that he went even further, okay? So when Jesus tells this story about when you go into a banquet and you find the lowest seat, and when you host a banquet, you go out and you find the poor and the lame and the blind, you know who he's describing? Himself. He's describing him. He's describing what he did. Let's turn over to Philippians chapter 2. He's telling the story of, y'all can get to know me right now. You, you can get to understand everything about me because I'm telling you a parable that I'm actually living out. Philippians 2, verse 5. Make your attitude just like that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not, e did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Instead, he emptied himself. He assumed the form of a slave taking on the likeness of men. And when he had come as a man in his external form, he humbled himself to become obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every name or every knee will bow. All right, so this, this is what's incredible because there's this intense challenge to our own character. There's this intense challenge of how we're entering into the world and like how are we viewing people. And at the same time, Jesus is saying, Guys, I'm describing what I'm doing to you right now. I'm the guy coming down to earth, and I'm taking the seat in the back. I'm the guy. I came down, and you want to know what? I gave up everything to become a servant. Right? You want to know what? I came down here, and, and my thing, my, I'm humbling myself to death. And if there's anybody that should have been like, I don't deserve this, it's Jesus. Yeah. He's the only one that could say that. So this is what's fantastic because you have the gospel and discipleship coming like right in, in connection with each other. Because isn't it tough to have a hard heart? What if Jesus, here, here again, if we're impersonal, it's not too difficult. But again, what if you were sitting out here in the sun with Jesus and he were to go, hey, and he called you by your name, right? And he goes, here, hey, come over here. Come over here, I want to sit next to you. And he's like, Adam, come over here. And he's like, I want to tell you, let me be very clear to you. This is the way I'm doing things in this world. And it's because, not because you're great or you can repay me. It's not because you're beautiful. It's not because you're talented. Like I came down to the lowest place to love you. I humbled myself to love you. That would be very hard to keep a hard heart. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be difficult to sit there face to face with Jesus as he tells you this story? And he's going, no, man, listen, I didn't choose you because you were fantastic or awesome. I didn't do that at all. Okay. But I came down and I humbled myself and I became the least. Amen. And here's the thing is, you remember, we've been talking about this often. There's, the, there's this theme running through the Gospels where Jesus would say, as I have loved you, so you must love others. As I have done for you, go do to others. You see this? The, see this training is perfect because it's hitting so many different places, right? 
So again, as we go back, one of the first things that we've got to do, okay, is we have to take some time regularly. We really do have to take some time regularly to examine, hey, what's going on in this area? And it's a real blind spot, so it would probably be really helpful to have some folks around us and go, can you, can you tell me a little bit about what you see? That's a scary one. Because here's the thing. There's this story I tell myself in my head. And, and, I'm, and I'm like, no. You know, people think that I don't do anything wrong and I'm sinless and I'm all of these things, right? And you play this thing. And then you realize what people really think and they're like cracking up. No, no, we never thought that. <laughs> right? We all have a narrative going on in our head. And the narrative is trying to, to, to pump our pride up. And so it becomes very scary to enter into another relationship in humility and say, could you help me see this? Because that bubble might burst. That's a scary bubble to burst. Okay, because that's really, oh man, that's, you know what I'm talking about. That's, that's just painful. But we've got to see, how is this expressed in my life today? How is this expressed in my life? Well, first of all, it, very simply, is if you began today just deciding that everywhere I go, I, I'm going, I'm, I've got to get my mind to a place of humility, but everywhere I go, I'm going to be aware of what's going on around me. I, I'm going to be not looking out for myself, but really keeping my eyes open, whether I'm in the store or whether I'm in the mall or whether I'm in class or whatever, is this idea of just like my head is going to be on a swivel. Because if there's a need in here, right, I want to, in, in humility, be able to go and serve. Okay, I want to lower myself to that. Here, here's the other thing. Is anything sacrificial? See, pride is involved in this too, right, um, in a couple different ways. First of all, um, pride will say if you're extremely sacrificial in an area, our pride will tell us make sure lots of people know. Okay, M make sure they know. All right. Or at the same time, we can go, listen, I, I can't even get near this, this theme of being sacrificial to people because I've got to take care of myself. And I'm not saying that you've you got to go to work, right? I mean, you've got to pay bills. You have to do those things. But, but we, we do live in a world that says, man, you better pad your nest. Man, you want to make it so, dude, retire at the earliest possible place and then at time and just take it easy. Okay? And unfortunately, there's the same narrative that goes on in the church. Let's get to a place where we can take it easy. Right? That's this natural thing. But going, this requires sacrifice okay this requires sacrifice how sacrificial am i being and, and then just think socially just your social interactions over the past week or two right has it been man i <laughs> i'm just around people like me I, I mean it's just easy for me i just do what's easy socially and relationally rather than really praying god please send people to me the way you came to me so I can be like you, right? And then finally, there's the other thing is, is whenever we feel inconvenienced, have you ever felt that way before? Like you feel like, dude, this is, I don't got time for this. You know, I was going to go do something fun. I was going to go do something else. I had other things. This is an inconvenience. All right, that would be a great time to pump the brakes 
and go, hold on a minute, let me listen to Jesus say that to me. Like that, that would help. If Jesus were to go, yeah, you know what? Keith, you're an inconvenience to me. Like I, it would be funner for me somewhere else. Right? See, when we start hearing it from the standpoint of Jesus' voice, we're going, oh, I don't, know. I don't want Jesus saying that to me. But then this is a calling for us as disciples. Right? It's this calling to humility here, okay? And then finally, getting into some areas of how. We've already talked about examining our own hearts, um, training our, our, our minds to notice those around us. Here's the other thing. Pray with each other. Pray with other people. Right? Have you ever done that before? Just like you're talking to somebody in their need and go, can, I pray? can we pray right now? Sometimes we're like, we stifle the Holy Spirit, right? And that's part of it. Pride will, pride will keep us from hearing the Holy Spirit. And so it's this idea of, man, having an ear to hear and go, hold on a minute. No, the Holy Spirit is really teaching me this. The Holy Spirit is really putting me in this situation, okay? There's a, there's a man named Dr. Rick Rigsby. Okay. And, he, and he has a really great uh, commencement speech that he gives. You can, you can watch it on, uh, on the interwebs. He says this, Make sure your servant's towel is bigger than your ego. Isn't that great? Th- this statement that I'm going to read here, it's like you've got to take it home and think about it a little bit, but he starts out with this way. Make sure your servant's towel is bigger than your ego. Ego is the anesthesia that deadens the pain of stupidity. Isn't that great? I'm like, anesthesia, ego, pain, and stupidity, all in one sentence. <laughs> you know, that's like a winner right there. But you, you got to think about that and go, man, you know what? My pride, my ego, it's an anesthetic, right? It's this anesthesia for the pain of stupidity. It's justifying what we do, right? It's this idea, I can't be wrong. So I'm going to come up with something ridiculous to make it right for me. Okay, we were talking, I was talking to somebody earlier before this. I said, man, that's one of the things we do very well. We justify ourselves very well. Well, here are the 10 reasons why this is right and not wrong. Okay. He says that the ego is the anesthesia, or pride is the anesthesia that deadens the pain of stupidity. stupidity. Pride is the burden of a foolish person. Here's what I love about that. He puts pride in context as a burden. All right. Remember, Jesus is going, man, I want my people to not be burdened. But isn't it crazy? We keep going back to the yoke that's heavy. Isn't that strange? Isn't that amazing that we keep going back and going, no, no. Yeah, let me put that heavy yoke on of pride and, and, and being right all the time and only having my way and looking down on people and making myself something. Let me put that on. He's going, no, no, that's a burden. When, when Jesus is saying, no, no, here, here, come on over here and I'll teach you this, this light way. I'm going to take that weight off of you. Because here's the thing. With Jesus, what we should hear constantly is this idea of Jesus expressing his, 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 what his view of our worth is. Because, listen, Pride kind of bumbles, uh, bubbles up when we're kind of feeling like, well, I'm nothing. I'm not worth anything. I got to make myself something. 
Jesus said, listen, I'm going to tell you how valuable you are to me. Is that all you have to do is look at the cross. That's all you have to do. That was personal. That was my letter to you telling you you're worth this much. And you'll never find that kind of worthiness anywhere else. There's nobody in this world that can make you feel that worthy. Jesus is saying, man, I've, I laid all my cards out on the table. So you will always know that when I chose my people, I said, this is what their worth is. My body, my death. All right. And so once again, it's that idea of reminding ourselves of this is we don't have to create worth in ourselves. We can actually, we're freed up to make something of God and other people, right? We get to honor others. We get to build others up. We get to tell others about Jesus instead of the burden of just pride and arrogance and ego.